0: Let's get into it. I'm going to hit on some very high-level um, updates. We also have some other members of our team here, uh, which is a real treat, so we might get us a little color uh, from them as well. Um, but you know, as you know, major theme this week, as with the previous couple of weeks, has been the development of our V2 vaults, um, which are still very much on track. For Q4 2022, um, right now, um, as as I shared in our previous call, um, sort of late November is looking like you know a reasonable target internally. Um, not something we're committing to formally yet, um, but certainly sometime within the Q4 timeframe, we are very much expecting to have our V2 faults live. So that's really kind of taking up the bulk of our team's time. You know, particularly on the engineering and product development side. Um, but, with that said, you know, there's plenty of other things that you know we continue to move forward, you know, even as we are you know largely heads down on that over the next two months. So, just to recap a few updates that we've shared over the course of the week, um, you might have noticed we put out a thread detailing some of our transparency measures. We spoke about this on our last call as well, so I'll be brief, and if you really want to do a deep dive, just check out the the thread, um, which is you know just on our main at Umami Finance Twitter account, um, a few posts down. But basically, if you go to our docs now, you can just get a really, really rich array of information about the inner workings of Umami. You can see the um, contract between Umami Labs LLC and Umami Dow. Um, which, you know, if you read it over, you'll see um, that it, it actually gives, you know, legal standing to the community members, you know, governance of the protocol and even to the snapshot votes themselves as you know, sort of the ultimate authority over the DAO and Umami Labs, which is, you know, the U.S. entity that employs, you know, myself and everyone else on the team really is, uh, you know, in the service of the DAO and the DAO community, you know, per that contract. And you'll also see, Monthly invoices outlining the um, the operating expenses from the Dow that Labs LLC bills to the Dow, um, and, and a variety of other you know really really nice um, you know detailed transparency information um, for anyone who's new to following us. A really core part of our mission is you know making trying to. Trying to punch past some of the issues about sort of distrust and information, asymmetry and inside dealing that are so common in DeFi and that are a real barrier to mass adoption. So we're leaning very heavily into transparency. Um, in fact, the other document that you'll see there is uh, our token trading policy, which our attorney, Alex G., put together. Um, and basically, we are everyone on uh, on the Umami team is contractually bound to uh, never trade on proprietary non-public information. Uh, to announce to the team any large sales, and otherwise just to follow, you know, ethical best practices with their, you know, dealings in the Umami tokens. So, just a taste for, you know, the direction that we have gone in and will continue to go in. Um, one really cool thing in that vein, um, and if you dig around on the docs, you'll see it. We'll do a more formal announcement early next week, um, but Umami Labs has gone live um, quietly. Um, We're going to make a few small tweaks before we, you know, push a big announcement. So we'll do that Monday or Tuesday. But we've created a really cool um, webpage that, you know, walks you through Mami Labs, its mission, introduces you to all the team members, even has uh, headshots in sort of a fun cartoon form so you can see um, see everyone's face and kind of get a sense of their bio and their experience. So, you know, that's something um, we'll announce more broadly next week. But, you know, I think these things might seem small but I, I personally believe they go a very long way to building trust with our community and certainly with the institutions that we want to onboard to the v 2 vaults when they launch in q4 um uh, certainly a much talked about little update and i will touch on this briefly although there's not too much to share Right now, um, but a much talked-about update was a post we put out two days ago about Umami Labs being approved for a Circle account. You might have seen the tweet. Um, you know, essentially, we are actually the first, in a sense, Umami is the first DAO to have been approved for a Circle account. But we did get approved through the Umami Labs entity, um, and you know, having a Circle account gives us some pretty incredible capabilities. That will play a bigger role for us over time in terms of being able just to seamlessly on-ramp fiat into USDC. Um, you know, certainly in the US and, and in many other markets as well. Um, we'll have more updates, but you know, as you know, we are very keen on developing um, distribution partnerships with CFI. Entities, and Circle is a great example of you know, the sort of entity we'd love to work with. Um, you know, groups like Circle, CryptoCom, Coinbase, they have really large footprints of existing institutional partners, groups that are already you know, actively involved in crypto or certainly interested in getting exposure. Um, we've gotten feedback from some of these organizations that they're very interested in yield products, um, that generate you know solid you know low double digit APR and offer exposure to either USDC, BTC, or ETH, which sounds a lot like us and what we're developing with uh, the V2 vaults. So you know I think there's a lot of potential to deepen relationships, such as the one that we have with with Circle um, through this Circle account, um, as you know especially once these vaults are launched, and you know I think there'll be a lot of demand from you know CFI entities and you know other other potential off-chain partners to, you know, help distribute those uh, products to their client base. So that's very exciting. Um, But another thing that I'll just flag, this is a really cool thing that our chief legal officer, Alex, is taking the lead on, is that, um, you know, as much as we really are excited to work with groups like Circle and, um, you know, CryptoCom, and, you know, we'd certainly love to work with Coinbase, we would never want to just rely on, you know, some large institutional partner as, you know, sort of make or break for our business model. And so, you know, we are also going to be creating our own entity. And, you know, this is actively in the works now. It'll be called uh, Umami Advisors. And Umami Advisors will, you know, have all the appropriate licensing needed to do the very same things that, you know, someone like a Circle might do in terms of being able to, you know, in a completely compliant way, uh, interface with institutional clients in the United States, take in fiat from those clients, you know, deposit them on chain, you know, into our vault products, for example, um, and you know, hold the assets in custody, um, so, you know, just to meet any regulatory or accounting requirements that those institutional clients have. So that sort of, you know, CFI interface with with uh, the TradFi world, if you will, is really really important to our strategy of onboarding institutional capital to DeFi. So, you know, we're going to be doing it with uh, really cool partners like Circle and we're going to be doing it ourselves with Umami Advisors. Um, so those are those are all really exciting updates and, and it's an example of the kinds of things that we're moving forward on simultaneous to our work on the vaults. Um, the only other small updates that I will share um, are... First, you know, as you guys know, we are also very keen to develop a product suite built on top of ETH2 nodes. We think that, you know, following the merge and certainly following Beacon Unlock, there's going to be enormous demand for, you know, ETH-denominated yield generated by validator nodes. And that those are, in fact, you know, by far the most scalable. Um, and in many ways, the lowest risk source of yield on chain, um, and will really probably become, you know, a pretty core, uh, pretty core yield asset for you know most institutional capital portfolios over the next couple of years. So that's the kind of place that we very much want to be. We are, you know, in the early stages of kind of moving forward on kind of formalizing a product strategy for that. Um, even you know, while we continue to move forward on the V2 vaults. And, you know, once those vaults are launched, that will be our next project. And I think, you know, as excited as we are for these uh, V2 vaults that are built on top of, you know, GMX's GLP liquidity pool, um, it's really ETH2 nodes that would have the ability to just absorb, you know, potentially billions in TVL. Just, just, if you think about GMX, there's obviously a point, and it's in the hundreds of millions, not the billions, where additional tvl into its liquidity pool would start to dilute yields um so it's a wonderful you know product for us to you know move forward on as our first launch with just really terrific return profiles and risk profiles for depositors but once we build something that taps into the yield generated by eth2 nodes that's where the sky is the limit from a scalability perspective and we can really ramp up our uh our onboarding of institutional capital. Um, The other really cool thing that we're doing, you know, tied to our long-term strategy is that we finalized and submitted an application to the blockchain association. So they are, you know, our kind of primary industry trade group representing DeFi uh, in DC. Um, There's going to be obviously, you know, quite a bit of action, you know, going into the 2022 elections. And of course, you know, 2024, in terms of, you know, the landscape being shaken up and a lot of interest and talk about, you know, potential legislation and rulemaking pertaining to DeFi. And, you know, we see ourselves as advocates of the industry. We are very keen to be compliant, but we, of course, want regulations to make sense and support innovation in our industry. And so, you know, in keeping with with who we are and what we do, we want to have a voice and we want to advocate, you know, for the the DeFi space as a whole and, you know, make sure that decentralization, trustlessness, permissionlessness, you know, these really core value additive features of DeFi um, are are respected as major innovations and, you know, that the regulatory framework accommodates them. So that's a good, I think, overview of some of the things that we've been cooking up over the past week. We have Prepop here, our chief technology officer, I don't know if he's available to chat or not, but if he is, I, I think we would probably all love to get an update from him. Um, but maybe prior, prior. Oh, here! Oh, great, great, awesome. Um, so, with that, yeah, let's let's uh, let's hear it for Pre Prepup guys. He's the guy who is uh, leading the building of our of our vaults.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks for the intro. Yeah, some some exciting stuff happening. So I can give a quick update on the tech side of, of what's been going on. But like we've discussed before, we're taking a much bigger role on our uh, the, the tech team on the strategy side for um, in-house modeling strategy and backtesting. And so, you know, we kind of have the development um, on a two-front approach where we are um, – building the models ourselves um, which gives us a, you know a really big advantage to to go through fine fine tune and and get the optimal implementation and um and then you know the other front is the smart contract development and 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 modeling strategy of of the vault system that we're that we're launching here which includes USDC vault and also as we've hinted um you know ETH bitcoin and and, and other vaults um and so yeah, with, a, with the with a back testing and strategy modeling data, we're going to be able to publish um, a lot of detailed information um, in our reports as we lead up to the launch. That'll include um, you know some metrics of uh, like we discussed before uh, why the why we put a pause to the first vaults and why we switched over to this approach, and they'll they'll be all the backing data and to to support those arguments. And you know, with that, we're we're planning on releasing uh, some of this data. It, it will go in depth. So we're gonna we're gonna wait until things are a little closer before we leave too many uh breadcrumbs. Um and, and hence uh because you know there is some concern of of uh you know mimicking strategies and things like that 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 we don't wanna give away too many trade secrets. Um, but we still do wanna uh, absolutely focus on on transparency. So um as we get closer to the vault launch. Uh, there w- there will be you know a lot of a lot of really in-depth in- articles that we come out with this data and um, there's also the uh, audit right which we're still planning on having uh, an audit through Zokio uh, by the time of our vault launch so it will you know the plan is it will be completed by the time we launch our vaults uh, which again goes back to uh, just an emphasis on funds safety user safety uh, and, and transparency and, uh, you know, getting peer reviews on, on the vault code and which of course will always always be opened up open source and published and verified on the chain when, when they are launched. Um, so that that's another big uh, emphasis is, is getting that audit completed by the time we have the, the vault launch. And um, on the front-end side, um, as you know, on our roadmap we list, there is the V2 of our front end so a front end revamp i think um everybody's going to be really pleased with without how how this comes out we have our front end our lead front end dev actually on the twitter spaces listening in he's spending his friday night uh listening here so (laughs) really appreciate all the work that he's been putting in um on the front end and and yeah i think it's going to be a big improvement i think everybody uh will, will really enjoy the the upgrade on the on the front end so that's kind of a, a quick overview, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions too. As we s- shift to the, the AMA and on any any te- technical uh, aspect of of Umami.
0: Awesome, thank you, Priyab. That was super super helpful. And you know, we also have our uh, chief legal officer Alex on the call as well. So let's bring him up here, and he can share um, some additional updates that I've just sent these. What I think is a successful speaker invite. Um, but while we while we wait for him, uh Grumpy is here and also can share just some some community updates. We're continuing to ramp up some of the fun stuff we're doing for our community. And I think everyone knows and would love to hear from Grumpy. Yeah, thank thanks. Thanks both you guys, and I'm excited to hear from Alex too. Um
2: just the just the one thing I'll add real quick is um we we're thinking about doing our first poker tournament, just a fun little community poker tournament. I think we got about 20, 25 people right now. Um, if you guys aren't in our Discord, there's a link in our bio, and I will go ahead and drop the sign up form again in the AMA and questions channel. So if any of you guys are interested, that'll be next Sunday and in the evening time, EST.
0: Awesome. Um... Great, and it looks like Alex might not be able to join us, um, but if he does, if he's able to, then we will have him share some of what he's working on. But in the meantime, um, let's see if we've got any community questions. Anyone on the Spaces want to ask anything? And remember, if you can't speak at the Spaces for any reason, we have a channel in our Discord called AMA Questions. You can click through to that um, through a link to our Discord server in this Twitter. Yep. I actually just sent a tweet out. Perfect. Um, so, yeah, feel free to hop on that. And you'll, that's where you'll also see what Grumpy just posted, uh, Umami Poker Night, for those who are interested. Um, one question that I'm already seeing here, in AMA questions in chat, when will the new Umami web app UI come out? Um I think that's a question that you know, Prepop. If you're able to still speak, um, we'd love to hear an answer from you on that. But you know, I, I can I can certainly say that. Oh, here we go. He's able to join Prepop. Do you want to weigh in?
1: Oh, like the the front end, the front end, up the right? front
0: end. Yeah, the V one essentially.
1: Um, so I would say um, the end near the end of October or uh, middle October, I would say. And um, well. We'll get a more accurate estimate as we get a little bit closer.
0: Yeah. Do you want to share, to the extent that uh, you're comfortable at this point, some of the cool features that it's going to have? I certainly can recall some pretty exciting conversations about the direction it's going.
1: Sure. Yeah. So you know, definitely improvement on on overall UX, uh, user experience for um, layout, uh, user interactions for uh, you know our product interactions. Uh, entering exiting vaults and uh things like that um and also an emphasis on metrics right i think we were always missing uh, that in in our previous iterations of the front end was um you know what you would expect to see when you want to look at the performance of a vault or, or, or the performance of your investments emphasis on one of those things uh will
0: Great. I think you broke up there a little at the end, creep up, but we heard the bulk of what you were saying. Um, and we also have Alex G up here now. Um, Alex, do you want to uh, introduce yourself and share some stuff?
3: Sure. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is uh, Alex Golubitsky. I'm uh, Umami Labs' uh, chief legal officer. And um, thank, thanks so much, uh, D5, for um, for inviting me uh, up here to speak. Um, I won't. I won't take on, take too much time just with this spiel. But I'm happy to answer any questions. I just wanted to um, elaborate a little bit on um, some of the some of the items we're moving forward with that DeFi had talked about. Um, you know, I guess I should caveat at the beginning that uh, I am uh, Umami Labs uh, chief, chief legal officer, which means that I am both uh, executive of the company as well as uh, the company's attorney. So I'm not going to be Discussing anything up here, obviously, that's uh, covered by that attorney-client privilege, and I'm also not um, giving legal advice uh, to anybody who's listening. Sort of the "I am a lawyer, I am not your lawyer" caveat, and I, I know everybody hates that boilerplate. So I appreciate you um, you bearing with me on that, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to answering any questions from um, from any listeners as well. Um, but I wanted to just, you know, sort of initially maybe put a little bit more color on the um on the on the legal structure that, that we've put in place uh for umami. So there is as 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 DeFi was describing, we have the um uh Umami DAO Foundation, which is where the uh the the, the DAO lives, so to speak, and that is the um the main entity that uh um, you know, houses Umami's operations, and that it, the uh, probably the the DAO entity is is the um, the nerve center really. So that's the brain of of the operation, and then I would say Umami Labs is like the um, the, the 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 skeleton and the, and the muscle system of, of of the organization. So at Umami Labs, we we implement the um, strategies and 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 wishes of of the DAO on a sort of boots on the ground basis. So we are a um you know development and services company that in uh, and our client um, is is the Dow. And of course we want to uh I think one of the things we're doing at Umami which is fairly novel you know in in DeFi is to really take the um the, the, the maximum amount of transparency possible the, uh, to demonstrate to our community what we're doing and, uh, and, and how we're doing it. So I really do um, encourage our community members to go look at um, the, the documents, which, uh, which we've made public that uh, demonstrate the relationship, you know, between these two entities and, uh, um i'm always happy to answer questions um i don't uh i don't participate very much in our in our discord but um i'm always on there uh you know so feel free to uh to tag me and, and ask me anything if you look at something and you're like oh hey i wonder what what this is and and uh i'll i'll try to answer the question to the uh to the greatest extent that i can and uh the the other thing i wanted to mention um which is uh uh i hope hopefully exciting is that uh this month um i'll be starting a blog uh you know for Umami labs that's uh sort of a a general issues of general um le- legal interest in uh in in the DeFi space that that, that pertain to umami so uh should be coming out with uh with you know about one article a month um I'm very excited about the article that that's actually going to come out this month, which I think will be, um, very, very thought provoking for a lot of our community members. And it's going to be focused on the, um, the United States taxation of, uh, EIP 4626 vaults, uh, you know, similar to the, uh, to the V2 vaults that we're structuring, obviously not intending to offer any legal or tax advice to any specific person with the, uh, with the blog, but I think it'll be, and I hope it'll be uh, thought provoking for, uh, for the members of our community to sort of think about how to, how to approach this. And, um, you know, I'm, 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 there's a lot of unanswered legal questions in, in DeFi. And so I'm always happy to engage with, with anyone who, who wants to uh, chat about, well, what does this mean? What's likely to happen, you know, with, with these policies uh, in the, uh, uh, in the, in, you know, in the U S or, or otherwise I'm of course a, uh, U.S. licensed attorney. So, so I, that's really where my area of focus is, but, uh, uh, always happy to, um, to hear from community members and, and, and to field questions.
0: Thanks, Alex. That was really great. It was good to, uh, good to hear from you. And, you know, I think for what it's worth, I mean, just for those who are, you know, in the community and, um, I know Alex has shared a, a few times before during these calls, but if this is your first time, you know, just having a chance to to listen to him, you know, and definitely value your thoughts on this too, Alex. But, you know, I think just just having a chance to kind of, you know, listen to Alex talk on these topics, and, you know, I think you'll be hearing more from him, um, you know, in, in the future, it... <laughs> It certainly, for me, is always really, really enlightening and valuable because I, I, think you know, one of the core values at Umami is you know I think that what differentiates us from a lot of other DeFi projects is this emphasis that we have on you know regulatory compliant DeFi, right? We operate under the assumption that you know it really is genuinely possible to you know create innovative, uh, you know, truly you know true DeFi projects, uh, products, you know, trustless, permissionless, decentralized products. Um, you know, that are, you know, very, very unique and value additive, um, but that can be marketed to institutional capital in, you know, regulatory compliant ways. And I, I think that one of the, you know, things that it's been sort of such a impediment to mass adoption of DeFi has been this sort of widespread sort of cultural attitude within the DeFi bubble that, you um, that, you know, DeFi is somehow, you know, necessarily completely off the grid, completely underground and anon and, you know, incompatible with the kind of proactive compliance approach that's necessary to interface with regulators. Or, you know, if if a project does do that, it's somehow selling out. And, you know, we just take a very different view, right, which is that, you know, we we can do these things, and, you know, or at least we there's many, many things that we can do, though the fundamental goal we certainly can do um and you know we we can do it in a way that is compliant without compromising you know any of the core values of what makes uh defi unique um but certainly that's something that's always exciting to me and you know alex if you have any additional thoughts you want to share um you know feel feel free as well
3: yeah yeah i mean i i think that that is um is is a pretty good summary of where of of where umami sits and it's um you know i i I, I will you know, to, to speak frankly, um, it's not always the most comfortable place to be. I I, I understand um, the draw in DeFi of being fully anonymous and operating on-chain as anonymous entities in, in anonymous groups and anonymous individuals because we have this, especially in the United States, but not just in the United States. Um, this very draconian view from government regulators that um a lot of times they seem to be communicating that just you know DeFi is bad and cryptocurrency is bad and we are going to sort of try to threaten the industry into going away and i i understand the reaction for a lot of people in the space to be well okay I'm going underground. Then I don't want my my name to be associated with this, and I don't want I want to have a, just a, a separate online identity that that is not associated with 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 the person who I am, you know, off the computer. Because what the government is saying about 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 these activities um, is is very nerve wracking. But I think the attitude that that we have at Umami is. It's not going away, even if the government says we hate this today. That the genie's not going back in the lamp, and um, be, because of that, you know, we we want to be. There will be adoption of of DeFi and and um, and DeFi concepts in traditional finance. You know, whether that's in 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 the in the near future or the midterm future. Is, is hard to say, but but it is coming. And I know that people who are in the space understand this that the the way that transactions and strategies are effectuated on chain um is is simply more efficient um than than anything we've seen in finance uh, historically. and so um that that's why at umami, we sort of put ourselves out into I think what is an uncomfortable space by saying, yeah, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. We, we are a real company and, and we're not going to, we're going to do our very best to comply with all government regulations. Um, but we're not going to take the government's refusal to, uh, to issue meaningful regulations in the space as, um, as a reason to not, uh, push this business forward.
0: Yeah, that's that's really well put, and I think the only small thing that I'll add, you know, I, I think that um, I've certainly picked up a sense from you know folks that I've spoken to in the space that there's kind of this expectation that there needs to be kind of a a bifurcation between you know on one hand the the sort of true purist DeFi projects that you need to go more underground than ever, and you know especially in light of, for example, happy with Tornado Cash. Um, recently, you know, and other other regulatory crackdowns. Um, so, you know, the, this idea that the purists are going to need to go underground and, and really hide and mm-hmm. that anyone that wants to be compliant sort of needs to be kind of, you know, maximally, uh, you know, compliant, even to the point of, you know, over complying. Right. And we saw that um, with, you know, a number of of DeFi projects sort of you know, proactively blacklisting you know, people that you know, had been blacklisted by Circle in response to a court order. Um, you know, from their own front ends, you know, just, you know, one could say just because, right, just because you know of some kind of, you know, fear of, of government crackdown that led them to sort of proactively comply with, you know, rules that didn't actually exist yet, right, to the expense of their communities. And, and I'm sharing that because, you know, I think our view is, as you can hear from Alex, you know, our view at Umami is, is not that we need to make a choice like that, right? If you're an innovative technology company, you believe in the underlying tech and you build the best possible technology you can, you know, with the the fullest, you know, the the broadest and and deepest capabilities that you uh, you can develop. Um, you don't, you know, choose to constrain it based on you know, anticipation of where regulators are going to go. Um, you know, instead, you, you so so. I think the point that I, I want to highlight is, you know, even even though we we try to be leaders in compliance and you know really um, illustrate best practices we're still building, you know, truly decentralized, permissionless, and, you know, trustless smart contracts on chain. We are not, you know, we want, we see ourselves very much as, you know, aligned with the core ethos of of Ethereum and, you know, the basic value system of, of decentralization. We are not going to be kind of um, proactively whittling away at you know permissionlessness uh, or anti censorship as you know as goals, right? Because those are endemic features of the tech. Um, and so instead, we want to just be proactive advocates of DeFi and you know find the the best you know paths to compliance that that we can with everything we do, and hopefully you know even educate. Regulators um, in in the United States and elsewhere about you know the value of some of these things. So we're really excited with where we're going, and, and we hope that you know others follow along with us because we think it's the right direction for the industry. Um, and with that, you know, I see some some other questions, so I'll I'll answer them. Um, and others are welcome to chime in as well. I see you know Capatis and OG from uh, from our community is asking. You know, with crypto being such a fast paced environment. With narratives coming and going, what is the goal to give the community as Arbitrum Odyssey approaches? Um, so, what what is the what what are we sharing with the community as as our goal? Um, and as new users come into Arbitrum, and that, that's a great question, Copetes. Because um, yeah, we talk about a lot here, and, and we do. You know, I, I'm probably you know remiss for this, but I think I often you know talk to you know during these calls as if you know the folks who are tuning in are already familiar with us and you know, this might be their first time and i would say you know what we're really leaning into now and you're going to see more of it you're definitely going to see it in the umami labs llc webpage that we're launching and we're leaning into it more with all of our marketing materials on all of our channels you know this this kind of you know core mission statement that you see in our docs um which is you know pioneering the institutional adoption of DeFi, right and that that sounds might just sound like empty marketing copy but it's not like that's a very precise statement of what differentiates us you know if you look at our mission statement in our docs it's to catalyze the mass adoption of uh, of decentralization for the global financial system and you know we're going to do that by leading widespread institutional adoption of DeFi. Because that's that's our core thesis is that you know, the big migration of assets and usage um, into the DeFi space. It's not going to be, as I've said before, you know, mom and pop and grandma aping into DeGen plays on an L2. It's going to be institutional capital investing at scale into some of the most exciting underlying technologies that are driving blockchain forward. And we want to be the portal to that. We want to be the gateway. And we're doing that with these risk hedged, you know, very, you know, institution friendly vault strategies, we call them, DeFi products that offer, you know, sustainable, low double digit APR on core crypto assets, specifically ETH, USDC and btc and based on you know all of our discussions with institutions and our, our own sort of analysis of the market we're very confident that there's an enormous appetite still kind of you know not fully tapped among institutional capital to get some exposure to what's going on in blockchain but you know they don't necessarily want to go into altcoin plays they're not necessarily comfortable bridging on chain themselves bridging to an l2 you know um Sort of on ramping fiat into crypto, they want that abstracted away for them, and they just want exposure to core crypto assets, BTC and ETH. But they also want something that they cannot get presently on centralized exchanges like Coinbase, which is they want exposure to yield, um, and you know at, at different levels of of delta, right? In other words, you know the. the delta-neutral yield is very appealing, as well as yield-generating products for BTC and ETH. So, you know, that's what we're building, and we're building it with the goal of making these products highly scalable, extremely secure, very rigorously back-tested, you know, up to the same standards of, you know, professionalism in terms of modeling and back-testing that you would see in a Wall Street investment bank or hedge fund. Um, and, you know, we're very confident that you know, that suite of products is what is needed to onboard, you know, hopefully in the future, we're going to see billions of dollars of additional institutional capital coming to DeFi. And Dumami wants to be a very big part of that. So that's that's our core message. And I think, you know, it's very differentiated. A lot of projects can say that they want to do that and they might get a few, you know, crypto native hedge funds to to ape in, but if you want to penetrate um, macro hedge funds, family offices, trusts, private wealth managers, alternative asset managers um, that are not already you know very DeFi focused, you need to be very different from your average, in non-led DAO. Um, you need all the kinds of structures that Alex was talking about. You need the level of technical rigor and strategic rigor that you know PrePop and you know our, our product development team are bringing. So that's, that's what differentiates us. I see a request here.
2: JD Tiger. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yes, okay, sir. Okay, cool. So um, long time since I, I asked one of these questions, but I'm just curious since the, the, the vault has been taken down. Um, I'm curious on how the Umami Labs have, has changed their day-to-day interactions uh, with institutional investors, um, whom at that point were super interested in that product and future products, um, how has that day-to-day talk with them changed, if any?
0: Great question. Um, honestly, not much. I mean, we, you know, as I, as you probably remember, we never, um, we thankfully did not get ahead of ourselves in terms of scaling that call. We were really slow and methodical about those uh, increases in the TVL cap. And I think that that you know, really worked to our benefit, right? And you know, we've done that on purpose. We, we didn't want to take on a you know, huge amount of TVL before the strategy had been properly tested. And that means we really had, you know, fewer than ultimately, you know, fewer than half a dozen funds that had actively deposited into those vaults. Um, we made them whole as we did all of our depositors. Uh, and we got you know very positive reviews from them just about the entire experience, the professionalism, the transparency, um, you know, and just just the fact that we you know were so focused on having top notch products that we were willing to hit pause on a strategy that we weren't thrilled with. So those relationships are still very strong, um, you know. And then we have a rolodex of funds that you know remain you know, very interested in us, um, and they still are. You know that hasn't. That really hasn't changed. I, again, I'll, I'll just say that, you know, in our experience, leading with transparency, you know, taking ownership of anything that isn't working the way we hoped, you know, reimbursing our community, it, that that approach goes a really long way. Um, and I think that when we do ship our white paper for the V two fault strategy, which will also include a really detailed post mortem for you know some of the issues with the V one, that um, you know that will further give give institutions confidence um, so short answer is that you know it really it slowed of course it slowed us down because we were gearing up to start loading in more capital right if, if things you know continued the way we had wanted um, but it didn't damage any of those relationships and long term I think it will be seen as, as bullish
2: no I, I appreciate that a lot and just as a follow-up I, I think I, I understand this, but has the marketing um, that you guys have been doing to institutional capital, has that been taken down a notch or have you guys almost continued the the role of education, if you will, yeah. uh, to institutional capital?
0: That's a great question. I mean, you know, the marketing prior to, you know, when the V1 Vault was live, it, it was, you know, beyond marketing, right? It was like concrete business development, Nick W, our... You know, lead on BD had set up a, a HubSpot, which is kind of a standard CRM um, tool to kind of track, you know, the, who we were talking to and, you know, which ones had actively deposited or which ones we were doing second round meetings to answer final questions on. In other words, you know, the approach was very sort of mission critical, if you will. It was about actually getting people in. Um, and yeah, obviously, you know we're we're softening that, um, and we've learned some sort of le- general lessons from messaging. Like we're we're not going to give even an estimated APR number, you know, a specific number. We used to, you used to say around twenty percent, and as year no G, so you probably remember people ran with that. They thought we were promising twenty percent. They thought that that must mean we're like Terra, right? Like we're 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 going to keep it much, you know. The, the theme will be under promise, over deliver, um, just to avoid confusion. Um, but you know what we're really focusing on right now to answer your question. First of all, we're working with a close institutional partner of ours to do re- a really deep dive in terms of market research to identify exactly exactly who our target market is. Right? Because one thing I'll share, you know, for for what it's worth, uh, if this interests you, J.D. Tiger. Um, it's relevant to our overall strategy. The initial wave of interested institutional investors were what I would generally call um, DeFi hedge funds. Few family offices that you know had a large DeFi allocation, but most of them were DeFi hedge funds. Most "quote unquote" institutional capital that is invested into products, you know, such as vaults on chain, um, is from this small world of DeFi native funds. And that's actually only about $4 billion in total addressable market. They're not huge. So the whole game plan has to be, how do you punch past that? And so you know, that's why we're working so closely with this, this individual who uh, works at a family office and has also been investing you know, in DeFi quite heavily um, as well. And our goal is you know, granularly understand you know, the best possible subset of traditional institutional capital really gear our marketing towards that subset of the market. So that probably might, will mean things like going to different conferences outside the DeFi bubble, going to more TradFi conferences, conferences for family offices, conferences for macro hedge funds It will mean you know we should be moving on to LinkedIn and doing you know, more thought leadership on LinkedIn or other platforms that are more TradFi centric. They're not necessarily on crypto Twitter, right? Um, you know, those, that's the direction that we're moving in, and again, the first step to really nailing that is to do, you know, we, we've, I'm not going to spill the beans because the, the project isn't complete, but it's in the works. We basically think that we kind of have, you know, one market segment that'll be our top priority and, you know, two others that are very promising. Pretty similar, you know, we'll reach them through pretty similar marketing channels. Um, we will have slightly different messages with respect to product positioning because they have slightly different mandates. Um, but that's, that's how we're thinking about it now, is this you know, long-term, how do we you know, accomplish that mission, right, of pioneering institutional adoption, onboarding institutions to DeFi. You know, how do we bet, you know, do the best possible job of reaching institutions, of positioning our product to them, and of creating the appropriate marketing collateral on the right channels to do that. So that, that's where our thinking is at right now.
2: Cool. It's it's really cool to see the development of strategy. So that's uh, exactly what I was looking for. Appreciate it, guys.
0: Awesome. And I see Nick W here, uh, our BD head, is raising his hand. So let's uh, come on up, Nick. All right. It looks like Nick might be having some audio problems. Nick, just uh, feel free to, if, if you're able to start Speaking, just let me know. Um, otherwise, I'll answer some other questions. All right, um, but yeah, in the meantime, I see an interesting question here from Ox Arrow Eight, a core community member of ours. As Umami continues to scale and work more closely with TriadFi, how, if at all, will it impact prospective partners that we work so closely with, like GMX, who are all very anon? not. Um, it's a great question, and you know what I'll tell you tell you is it has not damaged our relationship with them at all, right? I mean, we're all interconnected in this ecosystem. We need projects like GMX that are forming these, you know, super, super value additive base layers within the DeFi ecosystem. And, you know, they need projects like Umami that onboard new TVL and that, you know, create, you know, take advantage of, you know, GLP's composability to create, you know, really attractive alts for institutional capital. Frankly, I think, you know, I can't speak for GMX, but I'd say generally if you're in a non-project that kind of is taking, you know, that kind of, you know, decentralization, you know, DAO, maxi approach, which is a really valid approach to take, um, you know, how helpful and convenient is it that there are projects like Umami that are willing to be doxed and to have the, you know, very public um you know off-chain legal entities like umami labs and interface you know through that with institutional capital and then go pipe you know a lot of that tvl into glp right i mean that's that's pure win and and a really important point just going back to what we were saying earlier is that you know we are still very much friends of decentralization we're decentralization maxis ourselves You know, certainly at the level of the contracts that we're building, you know, at the level of the tech itself. So we're not building products that in any way create vulnerabilities for partner projects. Our smart contracts are trustless, are permissionless, are decentralized. So there's no risk if you're in a non-project to, you know, partnering with us, you know, on-chain because, you know, we're, we're always, you know, committed to best practices, you know, just as a protocol like GMX is. And with that, um, I'm going to try to invite you up again, Nick, just to see if you are able to speak. If not, do we have any other questions? Remember, AMA questions in chat in our Discord is an option. Um, and if not, feel free just to raise your hand right here in the Twitter spaces. Okay, Hey, guys, hey, Nick. can you hear me?
3: sorry yes. awesome. uh, i
0: requested to speak before and it literally just it just bricked I, I messaged grumpy on the side i was like did why is everybody silent uh regardless though uh to to even more on what you were building on DeFi and to ox arrows point even from our institutional standpoint um you know deprecating that vault at you know even at one percent in the in the in the red, uh, it really put out a really good sentiment to to our partners who came back to us and were like, we well, really appreciate the transparency around here, how you guys, you know, didn't, you know, keep going with this, even though it wasn't, you know, working to our best abilities, et cetera. So I just wanted to put that on there, DeFi. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate uh you sharing, Nick. And and for those I, I Nick shared a few times before, but just for those who are um hearing him for the first time, he's been heading our D, our uh, our B D efforts here. He's our, our director of BizDev. He uh, has a lot of experience at a uh, crypto prime brokerage um, in, in this space professionally. So he's been really helping lead you know, us penetrating the institutional market. So you know, definitely a big shout out to Nick. Um, and with that, I'll give folks just a couple more minutes to ask questions. Um, and if not, we'll call it a Friday. Anyone want to chime in? All right. With that, let's uh, let's call it a day. Thanks so much, guys. Great chat as always.
3: Thanks, everyone, for coming out. Thanks, everyone. Have a good weekend.